Amen. We are in uh, a season in the life of our church across all of our campuses that's pretty exciting. We kind of call this season the back to church season when a lot of people after summer and vacations and everything else are kind of getting back into the rhythm and routine of life. And so church now becomes a live option again and people start showing up. And so, uh, you know, ordinarily uh, with the rhythm, um, the fall is a big, big season for us. Uh, across all of our campuses right now, we're launching some new initiatives that'll be coming up in, in a few weeks. We're, we're launching a new groups initiative. A um, number of things happened that, that gave us the opportunity to pursue something that is, I think, going to be very healthy for all of the different sites of Central, and uh, we'll be telling you more about that in the coming weeks. In fact, this Wednesday evening, we're going to do a vision night. We're gonna, I'm going to share with you kind of the details of you know, how all, all of this came to be and some of the new things that we're going to be doing. And that'll actually be here at Harlem High School, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., over in the Commons, which is the, the cafeteria area. We'll hang out together. Michelle Barnhart's doing the desserts. Um, she's the one who did desserts for our Alpha groups. And we'll just be hanging out 7 p.m. till, till about 8 o'clock, and we'll just tell you kind of everything that we've got coming down the pipe. Now, for our site, it's been a little bit crazy because we've been all over the place. We were, you know, at Forest Ridge doing our thing. We hit our stride. We just felt really good and comfortable. And then, boom, end of May, they said, you got to be out. So we scrambled a little bit. We went out to the tree farm for two months. Uh, We kind of locked in this agreement here with Harlem, and then we moved over here. And so the summertime for us, at least for me, has been very chaotic. And now we're here and we're still, you know, we're, we're what, four or five weeks in, but we're still kind of tweaking on things, trying to find our rhythm, trying to figure out best practices for all of our different ministry teams. And, and it's, been, it's been challenging. Now, the, because we've been focusing on the transitions and the moves, I don't think we've focused as much on the new initiative. So I apologize for that. And hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll be able to catch you up to speed and get you ready for the things that we'll be doing. Um, but what I want to do now, starting today and then over the next two weeks, is I want to take you into the scriptures to really set the stage for these new projects. In fact, I'm grateful for the wisdom and expertise of, of the different organizations that we're working with, but at the end of the day, the thing that I want for us is to be convinced by the Word of God to pursue God's strategy for His people. So if you would, uh, please do grab a Bible and get with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 42 to 47. The Bibles we have here, that would be on page 884, 884 in the Bibles that we have here. So we're going to do, over these next um, three Sundays, we're going to do this mini-series on the church as God intends for it. And, And we're going to look at the prototype church of how things kind of happened right after Pentecost, right after the Spirit of God descended on the people of God in a very profound way. So we're going to look at that, um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and we're going to see this, hopefully, agenda for us moving forward, and then any of the agendas that we do, any of the, the things that we're going to do as a church together, I want to be, uh, I, I want to flow out of what God has called us to be and do, okay? So let me go ahead and read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and then we'll pray and we will get after it. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They, talking about the early church, the followers of Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, that you show us a glimpse of your church and the beautiful bride that you are creating. Lord, we want for the McChesney Park campus to be a, a, an expression of that, a healthy expression of your desire for your church. And so, Lord, I pray for all of my friends in here. I pray that we would all grow in our love and appreciation for what you're doing with your people, your church. Help us, God, to embrace this vision that's laid before us here in your scriptures. Help us, God, to pursue this thing with diligence and help us, Lord, to be uh, just going after your desire for us in this location. We, we want to be your church. We want you to be pleased with everything that we do. And so we pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So three weeks, we're going to do uh, multiple messages just coming out of this one paragraph because there's so much in here that we can learn from, um, that we can see that the church is supposed to be and do. So this week, we're going to talk about the church being a learning community. We're going to talk about how the church is a learning community. It's a people who need to be instructed in the things of God, and we need this ongoing instruction to help us figure out this world that we live in, and then how, then how to be faithful as we, as we walk by faith in the Son of God. So uh, we're going to look at a few different things here. We're going to look at the message, the method, and the, the motivation for being this learning community. The first thing I want you to see is that they had a message. They were committed to this truth. And, and the message, look at verse 42, it goes like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the early church was committed to learning the things of God according to how the apostles were presenting it. And the apostles' teaching, those are the, the early, early followers of Christ who were commissioned to, to lead the charge. They were sent to uh, teach and proclaim the things of God, and they were eyewitnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so they had an authority about them. And now the church is saying, we are devoted to their teaching. And, and so we could say, okay, well, what is their teaching? How can we, the McChesney Park campus, be devoted to the apostles' teaching? Is that just looking at the New Testament, because that's what they wrote. Those are the books that they published. The, the apostles published some writings, and that's the New Testament. So do we just look at the New, the New Testament and say, that's what we're going to be devoted to, the New Testament? Well, I don't think that's complete enough, because here's what they were doing. Their message also involved the Old Testament. They were preaching and proclaiming the Old Testament and showing how it related to Christ. In fact, if you just look over in the earlier portion of chapter 2, you have Peter preaching a sermon, and what is he doing? He is quoting Old, text, Old Testament texts, and he's saying, and all of these texts were pointing to and leading us to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. So if we are to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, really what we're saying is we're devoting ourselves to the scriptures, the entire Bible, the Old and New Testament, and what we're trying to do then as we devote ourselves to that teaching is we're looking to see how the entire Bible helps us to better understand our Savior. So the, 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 um, the message involves gospel proclamation. Um, 
it's, it's part of the message is that we want to present the teaching of the Bible in order to persuade people of who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's what Peter just did in chapter two. He preached a message to persuade people to consider that the, the person, the historical individual, Jesus of Nazareth, really was the Messiah, really is the Messiah. And he was crucified and he's resurrected and salvation comes by faith in him. And as a result of that, 3,000 people placed their faith in him and were baptized and added to the church. And so part of our message involves gospel proclamation. When we gather together, we want to present the message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen in a way where we are trying to persuade people to hear that message and place their faith in him. We're trying to convince and convict. We're trying to let people know there is a man, Jesus, who lived on this earth. He walked, he talked, he taught, he did all these different things, and he, he did die, but he rose from the grave. And those historical events are something that you could look into. But God has told us that this is his son, and it is by faith in him that people are saved. There's not all kinds of different roads that could lead you to heaven. God has made a, a strategy, a plan, and it involves his son. And it's placing your faith in him that makes you right with, with God the Father. So the message that they were devoting themselves to involved this gospel proclamation. And so our campus, our church needs to be committed to that as well. When we gather together, we should be preaching the gospel from every nook and cranny of the Bible with the intent of people coming in here and hearing the message of Jesus Christ and placing their faith in him and, and finding salvation and being baptized and being added to the church community. And so we're going to continue to do that. But also another part of the message is the gospel explained. And that's really what the New Testament is. If you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him for salvation, there are implications it's not enough to simply say, yeah, I'm, I'm a saved individual, so now I just get to do my life my own way. Those who are saved now have this obligation to live according to the way of salvation. Uh, we we want to live, here's how it's put in, in Philippians 1.27, we want to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We want our lives to begin to align with what it would look like to live in harmony with our maker. And, and so we need the gospel explained as well. And, and here's, what, here's what this means. We go to the Bible then, looking at it also as a discipleship manual. Meaning we go to the Bible and we're looking at, how should I live now that I believe in Christ? And we, we can look at all of the laws and the commandments and all of the examples of people. And we can look at all of that. And what we should be doing is by faith saying, how could I express my love for Jesus by living according to what he wants me to do? And so we need the gospel explained as well. And, you know, I guess what, what that means for us is that we want to continue to go to the word and we want to show how the gospel is there and we want to show the implications of it so that all of us are, as we're this learning community, we're learning how to walk by faith in the son of God and we're learning what that looks like. And we desperately, desperately need this. All of us in here are being discipled. All of us have a worldview. All of us are being educated in something. Now, what we need for the church to do is to be excellent at teaching us the things of God because we're making decisions all the time. We're being instructed all the time. We, we're constantly being formed into something and culture and society is doing an, 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 really an excellent job of that. But what we need the church to do then is to take up that high calling of teaching and instructing the people of God. 
So we have this incredible, incredible message. We need to be a learning community that is focused on what God tells us in his word. And now you might kind of go, okay, dude, we know you well enough to know now. This is one of your passions. This is something that you get excited about. You have a, you have a teaching bent. And so you might go, so I think you're just kind of reading the Bible and underlining your favorite verses. And that's true to a certain degree, that when I see things in the Bible, I kind of, I highlight the stuff that makes sense to me according to my gift and temperament and everything else. But I also, over the last several years, cannot get away from this idea that God has designed his people to be a learning community. In the Old Testament, the priests were supposed to instruct the people of God in the laws of God. In the New Testament, uh, it's a learning community. And in fact, the highest level of leadership, elders, what's one of the requirements? One of the only really unique skill-based requirements that an elder is supposed to possess? The aptitude to teach. Elders have to be people who can instruct God's people in the things of God. And, and so over and over again, I see in the scriptures this necessity for the people of God to be instructed in the things of God. We need to be a learning community and the message is the message of the word and specifically the message of the gospel, both proclaimed and explained to us so that we could continue to grow and walk by faith in the Son of God. So we devote ourselves as a learning community to the message, but there's also a method that we find here. There's a way in which the, the learning community should approach the task of learning about God. And the, mes- the method is really comprehensive. Look at it in verse 46. It says, every day this group, this church, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the the strategy then for onboarding the, the, the truth of what God wants his people to know involves this comprehensive game plan. It involves this gathering together on this consistent basis. Daily, they were coming together in the temple courts. They were, they were holding church services where they would get together and the apostles would be able to teach them and instruct them in the things of God. They were routinely doing this. So there was this large group experience. And then they were in each other's homes as well. They were, they were gathering in each other's homes and they were having meals together and celebrating communion together. And they were praising God in the smaller group setting as well. And so what we have then is this big comprehensive view of how we could pursue being a learning community. Um, it's going to involve getting together. It's going to involve the church experience on Sunday morning. Uh, I think that, that it's very important for the people of God to gather together. There's this community experience when we, when we seek to learn together. Uh, I've been a distance education student for something like nine years now. I did my undergraduate work, Moody Bible Institute, distance education. I did my working on master's stuff at Trinity, distance education. And that's all fine and well. And I'm a big advocate of it because I'm in ministry, making direct application. Uh, You know, every lesson I'm learning, I'm thinking, how does this apply to our people? But here's something that I've realized over the course of that much distance education. The lessons that I've learned that are the most profound ones actually happened in the church. It was when a truth came true and I realized it in that setting of dealing with other people where I'm just, I'm having face-to-face conversations and, and a thing that I'm learning from the Bible is, is happening now in the, the family of God. 
And so what do we need to be a learning community? We need each other. We need to gather together. We need to have that large group experience. Sunday mornings, you know, it can, it can be inconvenient. They have to commute to Harlem High School. They have to cruise over here. There are mornings where you wake up and you go, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. But gathering together with the people of God gives us this, this environment where we can learn things about God together. And, and that can have a profound effect on us and us as a community as well. So the large group setting is a very, very big deal. Coming to church on Sunday morning, and I'm not just saying this to you know, stroke my ego or to boost our attendance. I really do believe that what happens on a Sunday morning when God's people gather together and open up his word, I think it's, I think it's significant. And I know we can, there's so much material out there, so much media out there. You can do Facebook Live and watch church. You can hop online and do podcasts. You can read all kinds of Christian publishers. There's all kinds of material out there. Here's what I'm trying to convince you of. What happens in here on a Sunday morning could be more beneficial for you than any book you read, any curriculum you go through, any podcast that you listen to. What happens here in this context really forces us to learn the things of God in a real way. Because listen, when you get sideways with somebody from church and all of a sudden the gospel has to be applied and you have to figure out, how can my heart be at peace with God and at peace with them? And how can I approach them with gentleness and love with the best intention for them? That's a different thing than just sitting down and reading a book about you know, how to be a good Christian. There's something different about doing life in community and learning together and then learning how to apply the, the gospel in every nook and cranny of our lives. So we need that large group setting. I think Sundays are an important thing. So please you know, make it a rhythm, make it a part of your, your lifestyle that you will commit to being present on Sunday mornings. I'll show you this in a moment, but they were devoted to these practices. They were putting effort into it. And so please do put effort and devotion into your church attendance. Here's, here's another part of this comprehensive method. They, they also continued the discussion of their learning in their homes. So what happened on Sunday if you will. I mean, they were doing this daily thing, which by the way, that would be awesome. If we could just come together, you know, throughout the course of the week on, you know, morning times and we just got together and we had a, a little service, a little devotional and we then, okay, let's go to work now. And we're all, you know, fired up and ready, which by the way, is something that has happened in church history. I was reading a book about the, the reformers in Geneva and, and all, the, all the people would come together and they'd have church throughout the week. And then they'd have their Sunday church as well, and it was helping the people to grow. Now, we can't do that, um, but I think we should at least devote ourselves to the one day a week that we do gather. But in addition to that, they also kept the conversation by having discussions in their homes. They would gather in that large group in the temple setting, but then they would also gather together in their homes, and they'd be having meals together, and they'd keep the conversation going. They, they still in devotion to the apostles' teaching, now they're able to talk with each other face-to-face -face and go, what do, you th what do you think about that? What do you think about you know, what Peter said or what Paul said? Or what do you think about what James is suggesting here? And how does that affect your life? And now all of a sudden, over in this ordinary setting of our homes and our conversations, we're then applying the truth that we're learning into our ordinary lives. And that's significant. So as a church, this new group's initiative, that's really what, what it's all about. It is about helping you 
to take what you're experiencing in your local church setting and then massaging it into the life of, of your ordinary rhythms, that you go to work and you hang out with people and, and you're just doing life now with ho- hopefully with intentionality, that you could have these conversations with other people about spiritual things. In fact, the Puritans, they called this um, conference. It was a spiritual discipline that they engaged in. They wanted their people to go away from church and they called it conference, but here's all it is. They wanted their people to be trained to just have a conversation so that they would go away from church and they would be able to say, hey, here's what I'm learning at church. And they would be able to, in, in members of the church, having coffee, having meals, sitting in each other's homes, you're speaking about the things of God to each other and it's building up the body of Christ. It's building up the church. We want that to happen. I want for you to go away from the McChesney Park campus and into your home and to have significant relationships with one another where you're having meals together and you keep the conversation going. And then the the entire church is being built up and it's not dependent simply on Sunday morning, but it's happening all the time throughout the course of the week in all these different places because we have really just given you permission to do what God wants you to do go and have these significant conversations. So as a learning community, the method is pretty comprehensive. It's large settings like this. It's small conversations over coffee or meals at your home. But we want you to to, um, devote yourself to this strategy. And then it's every day. You know, here in the text, we see that they were doing this daily. And I know that the reality of us kind of making that a part of our experience that it was a little bit different setting, but let's at least commit to this. Let's commit to being at church when we can, and let's commit to being with other believers as our schedules allow, and let's commit to the personal disciplines of just reading and praying the, you know, through the Bible. And I think that if we'll do that, then all of us will be growing, and it'll be very, very helpful. So the method is comprehensive, and the method is also a worshipful method. Look, look with me at verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they were, they were inspired by the things that they heard taught and then the accompaniment of the, the spiritual display of power that, that came along with it. So they were, they were awed by it. And, and that's also how Paul talks about it when he writes to the other churches, like First Thessalonians. He says, the word didn't come to you as a merely human word, but it came with a display of power and you accepted it not as a human word, but as it is, the word of God. So that's what we want, a learning community where we are inspired and awed to worship God. That that we, in fact, if if the teaching doesn't result in worship, I think it's defective. If the teaching doesn't lead our hearts to greater appreciation for who God is and what he's done for us, I think it is faulty. Our our learning experience needs to result in, in worship. And that's what we saw in this text here, that they were filled with awe. Look at verses 46 and 47. As they're meeting and discussing the the teaching of the apostles, they were doing this with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. That's what we want. We want you to just have this heart that's full of appreciation for all that God's done, and you would be praising him then as a result of it. So the method of being this learning community needs to be a large group method. It needs to be a small group method, and it needs to help us to worship God. Now, here's the last little section that I want to spend some time on, and it's the motivation. How do we actually pursue this thing? How do we pursue being a learning community 
where the word of God is shaping us as individuals and us as a community into the church that God desires. Now, here in this story, here's what I see. This was the outworking of the Spirit. In other words, they just had the Pentecost experience where God showed up in power in a profound way. And then this is just in the wake of that experience. They're doing all of these different things. And so I guess what I want to suggest is we need to be praying that the Spirit of God would bring about this sort of passion and commitment in us. If we're going to be motivated to pursue this learning community, um, we're, we're going to need a lot of the Spirit's help because it seemed very natural for them to do it as a result of their experience. For us, I think it's somewhat unnatural. And here's what I mean. I think that, um, that we need a lot of help to, to love the church and be devoted to it in this way. Uh, I think that we're going to need a lot of help to, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching because honestly, what's easier for us? To not think about spiritual things, to only be concerned with what we have on our schedule. It's, it's a lot easier to not be committed to being in community and being in fellowship because honestly, that's an inconvenience. It's a lot easier to, to not be passionate about these different things for a variety of reasons. So we're going to need a lot of help. And in fact, I don't think the church um, does a great job with this, of helping us to fully embrace this vision. And in fact, you know, this, this motivation, I'm going to spend a f- just a couple minutes on it because I think it's, it's so important. But man, t- to have a vision of the church like this, this is pretty rowdy stuff. Most people don't have a vision of church like this. In fact, I think nowadays it's a lot easier to be skeptical of the church, to be concerned that the church is not going to help you to be a faithful disciple. It might even be a little bit of a liability. And if the church could do a better job, then you could be a better disciple and you could be on mission and all of that. But it's very easy for us nowadays, I think, to be critical of the church instead of seeing that this is the vision and this is actually God's strategy for accomplishing his mission in the world. In fact, Chan, Francis Chan, he has a new book out right now. It just came out this week. It's called Letters to the Church. And I ordered a copy and I'm excited to read it. And I've had some conversations already with different individuals and, and without even having read it yet. And I'm excited to read it because I really do want to know what he says. But even before reading it, um, you know, I was meeting with Isaac this week. I talked to my parents this week. I've talked to a couple different people. But there is, there's this bent in us already to say, yeah, I'm not sure what Chan's going to say, but, I don't, but I'm, I'm pretty positive that what he's going to say is the church isn't doing a good job. And most of us are just going to, you know, we're going to nod our heads about that and go, yep, that's right. The church isn't helping people grow as disciples. And so it's easy nowadays, I think, to just be critical of the church. And what I want to say to, to you is what I see here in the New Testament and what I hope we could become at the McChesney Park campus and, and really as, as an entire church at all of our sites is a church that helps people to realize that discipleship happens best in the local church. And mission happens best when it's, you, when it's intimately tied with the local church. The local church is not a liability. It actually is God's goal and his strategy for accomplishing what he's doing in this world. And I hope that you could look at this experience of your church here and go, everything that we're doing is helping me to be a better disciple and is helping me to be on mission. And I love my church. And so I hope that you could... Uh, have that experience. But look, look at how it's described here. 
they, they were devoted. And what I'm saying is part of the way that we're going to be motivated to do this is by hard work. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now the word, the key word there in that sentence is devoted. And in fact, in other places it's translated, they continued steadfastly. They got after this thing. They made this their ambition to devote themselves to these spiritual practices that were a part of the local church. And so for us, we need to be motivated enough to say, this is going to take hard work. We didn't just come off of the Pentecost experience. So we're going to have to be even more strategic and praying that God's spirit would empower the work that we're doing and be more committed to just practicing the things that God calls us to do together as a church. The things are things like teaching and fellowship and taking communion and praying together. And all of these things are happening together with other believers. And so my question for us is, are we devoted to the local church? Do we continue steadfastly in our commitment to her? Are we willing to sacrifice other opportunities and ambitions in order to be a help to the local church? Because the local church is God's bride and, and it is his passion. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to let the local church be the beautiful expression that she's intended to be. So we have to work at this thing. I don't think it's going to come easily. And I think it's a lot easier actually to be one of those rogue, renegade Christians that says, look, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to do my thing and I will attend church and I'll show up when it's convenient for me, but I'm mainly going to do my mission outside of the church experience without any help from her. And I'm mainly going to pursue discipleship in the way that I want to do it. And I'm going to gather my people and I'm going to pursue my agenda instead of saying, I want my discipleship and my mission to be a part of my local church experience. I want to make sure those things are wed together. Let's be devoted to that. Let's pursue that. And, and what I'm going to say is this next little season in the life of our church and these initiatives, they have the potential to do that for us, to bring these things together. And it is not different than what we've been saying all along. Since we started this thing, I've been talking about what does it look like to do life on mission? What does it look like to be in community? And this actually could be for us the fulfillment of that. We, we, I wrote a 60-page thing about groups and discipleship. And it's not, it's not different from that. It's actually the fulfillment of it. We can lean into the process here and embrace how God could use this next initiative and this next season for us to be um, just actively involved in the life of the local church. Now, here's the last thing that I'm going to say when it comes to motivation, and, and we'll wrap up here. What we need most is to realize the beauty of the gospel and us to pursue being this learning community. In chapter two, what, the, what do we have? We have the gospel being proclaimed, people being reminded of and, and taught of what Christ has done, and that results in people being transformed. When our hearts are transformed because we understand what Jesus has done for us, here's what normally happens. People who place their faith in Christ get plugged into the local church. They get plugged into this learning community. So what we need to major on is, is the, the gospel and just reminding ourselves and each other, here's the good news of what God has done in the sending of his son. 
And, and let's just keep rehearsing that truth that God loves us. And we know that because he sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place and to give us the hope of glory, to forgive us of our sins and to make us new people and to fill us with his spirit so that we could walk by faith in him. That gospel message is the only hope. It's the only lasting motivation that's really going to get us engaged in this vision for being his people. We need that gospel. That is our life-giving source. So would you please join me in, in pursuing God's vision for his church by trusting in what Christ has done to establish her and to build her up by giving his life and his spirit for us. Let's pray. Lord, we, we're desperate for you, God. We, we don't want to do church in a way that we could pull off on our own. We love that you've given us pictures in your word of, of the beautiful vision for the church. And we want to lean into that and embrace it and pursue it. Lord, we're grateful that you've given us an agenda here that we can pursue. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would empower us to go after it with everything that we've got. We pray, God, that we would be a learning community. We desperately need to be discipled because um, we need a worldview that's informed by your scriptures. And we need to know how to live ethically, to live in a way that's beautiful uh, when the world looks at it, because we're walking in harmony with our maker. God, we, there are so many things that we need to learn. So give us the humility to have that posture of, I don't know. And then God, by your spirit, through your word, would you help us to know what you want us to know? Help us to be a learning community, God. Help us to design all of our ministries according to this plan and this strategy. Lord, um, we, we just want to do this well. And I pray that the stuff that we do here at our site would just help our people to grow in their experience of you. And so we pray toward that end, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.